Hey, I'm Chris Cooper. I took a 200-word blog and built a $25 million mentorship company from it. It wasn't easy, and I had to learn some huge and expensive lessons along the way. But now I'm sharing those lessons with other business coaches and mentors and high-level entrepreneurs in this podcast. Want to chat with me? Go to businessisgood.com and click join the movement. We'll see you there. There are two types of marketing. Brand marketing is your long-term play. Direct marketing is your short-term play. In this two-part podcast series, I'll walk you through what each means as succinctly as possible. I'll tell you the opportunities and challenges with both, and I'll tell you what you can do today to grow your business using both brand and direct marketing. I'm Chris Cooper. This is Business Is Good, and if this is for you, just go to businessisgood.com and follow along with our blog and podcast. So today I'm going to start with brand marketing. Brand marketing is the sum of getting your name out there and having a good reputation. I call these two things awareness and affinity respectively. Now, if I asked you how good are you at getting your name out there, you would probably struggle to give me a definitive answer. You know, what percentage of your local population has ever heard of you? You don't know. Likewise, if I asked you how good is your reputation, you would want to say, oh, it's great but you can't know for sure because you can't measure it. And this is the problem with brand marketing. It's unmeasurable. In fact, the most famous quote in the history of advertising is this, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. John Wanamaker said that, and he is widely considered the pioneer of marketing. He died in 1922, but that is still true. At least it's true of brand marketing. The old stuff that we used to do right up until the early 1990s, like put signs on billboards and put ads in the yellow pages and take out newspaper ads and hang door hangers and sponsor baseball teams. These were all brand marketing. They built awareness and affinity. If they ever resulted in a direct sale, it was kind of a miracle. You know, let's say that you put up a sign for your dental office at the local baseball game and somebody at the baseball game was actually thinking, I need a new dentist and they see your sign. Now, if they have a pen and something to write on, maybe they write down your phone number. And then maybe when they get home, they remember to call and book an appointment. Now, obviously this is a very fragile marketing and sales funnel with many, many leaky points because most people at the game aren't looking for a new dentist right then, so your sign doesn't even register with them. Or maybe you forget to put your phone number on the sign so people see your logo, but then forget it before they get home. Or maybe they don't have a pen to write down your phone number. And this is why brand marketing is so hard to measure. However, there are some really valuable reasons to do brand marketing. The first is the most important reason, and that's affinity. This is how well people like you. The first rule of affinity marketing is don't make people dislike you. If you act like a jerk, if you don't answer your phone, if you don't return emails, if you have a stinky gym or a rude receptionist, then all the other marketing tactics that you have don't matter. Most businesses, especially fitness businesses, but I've had this experience with dentists and contractors too, most of these businesses don't have a marketing problem. They have a retention problem. I'll give you an example. We were once working with this gym owner down in a Southern state and just as luck would have it, we one of our coaches on the Two Brain team happened to stop in this gym. They were just in the location on vacation, and they said, I'm going to go visit one of the Two Brain clients. And so they walked into the gym, and of course, the gym owner is really excited to meet them. Come on in. Now, I'm going to preface what happened next by saying, when we work one-on-one -on -one with a mentoring client, 
we give them all the systems and everything they need to build a successful gym. This guy was having trouble uh, getting leads who walked into his gym to sign up and we couldn't figure out why because the Zoom screen is only so wide. When the mentor walked into this person's sales office, what they saw was a couch with a dirty blanket and two AK-47s on the couch. Now, obviously the owner is passionate about guns. I have no problem with guns, even though I'm a Canadian. But a lot of the people walking into that office would have perceived the presence of two assault rifles as the owner making a statement. And nobody wants to join a political statement. What they want to join is a gym. So, you know, adding in your political beliefs about guns or whatever, or having guns in the room are going to make half the people nervous. And just right away, they're going to walk out. Then you've got people who maybe they, they share your beliefs, but like, Eh, I don't really want, I'm not here to talk about guns, right? I'm here to work out. So they're going to leave too. The biggest problem that people have is that they lose people that they could otherwise have kept, not that they struggle to find new people to get. And this is what affinity marketing is all about. The biggest problem that people have with affinity is they blow it. They make people dislike them. Okay. So save your political rants for your friends, keep them off social media. And if you got guns, maybe just take them out when there's nobody else around. All right. The second time you really want to focus on affinity marketing is when you're a leader in your category. You want to use that advantage to widen the gap between you and the second best person. You want people to see your name everywhere and associate you with the problem that has to be solved so that when they do have the problem, you are the only name they remember, right? That's the awareness part of brand marketing. So the, the first two things is like, don't blow your affinity with your audience. And the second thing is when you're the biggest, do a lot more brand marketing. So here's how to do brand marketing. There's a few different things. Number one, publish content often. Give your knowledge for free and sell the actual delivery of your service. I sell coaching. I sell coaching at my gym. I sell coaching for businesses through Two Brain Business. How much content should you give? As much as you can. So here are the minimums. You should be publishing free content, giving your knowledge away for free at three different levels. The A level is like a book, uh, a long form video or, or other media. Okay. You should do that about once a year. The B level is your blog, your podcast, or YouTube. And you should be doing that at least twice a week. The C level is your social media. And you should be doing that at least four times a week. Now that sounds like a lot, but trust is built brick by brick. And the more content you can publish, the faster you can build high level trust. Okay. So the first thing that you need to do for brand marketing is publish a lot of content. The second thing you need to do is don't blow it. The business world is full of examples of founders who took 10 years to build a trusted brand and 10 minutes to blow it. Awareness is one thing. Affinity is the other, and it's more important. Somebody years ago said there's no such thing as bad publicity, but they were talking only about awareness. And that's only part of your brand marketing. The other side is against affinity and bad publicity still gets your name out there, but bad publicity harms affinity, which is now the hard part. It's very, very easy to get your name out there. It's very, very hard to build trust because everybody is skeptical and overwhelmed. Awareness is easy. Affinity is hard. The third step to good brand marketing is that you need to prioritize keeping your people over getting new ones. So conversations are the most important thing. Referrals are direct marketing, but they only happen with strong brands. And I'll talk about that in the next episode. So here's an example. If you own a gym or another small business, you probably get approached by sports teams, right? And they're, they're looking for sponsorship. And what they'll tell you is, 
we're going to put your business card in our flyer that we hand out at every home game. And we're going to say your name over the loudspeaker in between innings. And, you know, we're going to put up this banner. You and I know that's very vague brand marketing, right? You're not going to get anything from that. What you're really doing is making a donation. You're not going to get more hockey players because your name is on the back of the hockey jersey. But if you sponsor a client, you're probably going to keep them a lot longer and you can ask for things that are good marketing. So for example, you can ask for a team email list so that you can send the the team tips on pregame nutrition or stretching or whatever. Or you can ask to host a team party. Hey, as your sponsor, we would love to bring you into the gym at uh, the end of the tournament and uh, give you like a fun workout or a challenge night or something like that. You know, if, if you're like a different type of company, you can have a parent's night at your business or something like that. If you're an accounting company and you're sponsoring a kid's baseball team or something, don't just settle for having your banner in the outfield and a couple of announcements over the PA system. Actually invite parents in for a tax prep session in the spring, like you, you have to be direct about it. So even though the brand marketing can help, it's usually so vague that you're making a donation. So conversations come first, and then you have to take the next step to make the brand marketing actually effective. I'm going to give you a case study here of CrossFit versus Peloton. Now, I know a lot of listeners to this show are gym owners, even though this, this show isn't specifically for gyms. But even if you're not like a CrossFit gym, the, the CrossFit brand is an interesting one to study. I think it'll be studied for decades. CrossFit built their business exclusively on brand marketing. It took 15 years from the first publication on CrossFit.com until the peak of CrossFit. At its peak, there were 15,000 CrossFit gyms worldwide. It was on ESPN2. Every shoe store that sold Reebok had CrossFit signs in it. There were close to a million practitioners of CrossFit worldwide. The CrossFit gyms themselves, which were called affiliates, but they were really licensees, they were responsible for building on top of the brand. So they were responsible for direct marketing and CrossFit Inc. was responsible for the brand marketing, mostly through content publication, but also through events like the CrossFit Games. I was an affiliate, still am actually, and many of us use direct marketing to leverage that strong brand reputation that CrossFit Inc. had already built. When that big brand took some hits, our brand awareness was unaffected, right? The awareness, it was the same. Everybody had heard of CrossFit. Maybe even more people had heard of CrossFit when we were going through a tough time. But the brand affinity took a big dive. Awareness stayed high, affinity dipped. So now all the critics could pile on. They would say stuff like CrossFit hurts people. We told you, or CrossFit is too hard to sustain long-term. We knew it, or even CrossFit is too expensive. When the brand affinity was strong, we just like shrugged these off. We didn't pay attention to these. But when the brand affinity took a dive, these were the most common messages that we saw on local media. And affiliates really struggled to overcome that. Those with personal brand affinity, so they had a good local reputation on their own without the CrossFit brand, a lot of those people just de-affiliated because the, the value of the brand marketing was just no longer there for them. And the direct marketing that they were doing themselves on their own was the only thing that was working. Those with no personal brand affinity who were relying solely on CrossFit's brand affinity, they took a huge hit. So if the gym was called CrossFit 4192 or whatever, they, all of their marketing was tied to that CrossFit brand. And when that Brand affinity went down, theirs went with it. Now let's look at Peloton. So Peloton, by contrast, did very little brand marketing. 
They only did direct marketing. You probably saw their ads on TV and Instagram. And during COVID lockdowns, they boomed because we were all at home and we wanted to keep working out. But they never did any brand marketing. They never talked about the science or the community or the fun. They never brought people together to work out. They never shared helpful information. They just sold their bike and training videos by the millions. And they boomed overnight. They did more in revenue in one year than CrossFit probably did in a decade. But then they flopped almost as fast. People went back to the gyms. People complained about the bike seats. Direct marketing, which I'll explain in the next episode, it worked really, really fast, but it stopped working really fast too. And so now you see Peloton trying to do more brand marketing, talking about the fun factor, the adherence. You can do it with your spouse. You can do it if you're older. They can talk about how often people use their Pelotons instead of going to the gym, but it might be too late. It's really hard to build that foundation of brand marketing after you've already built the peak of direct marketing. Another great example is Alex Hermosi. I'm sure that you've heard his podcast. For years, he did no brand marketing. It was only direct marketing, Facebook ads. This is as he was building Gym Launch. As when he pivoted and sold most of Gym Launch and started to open up uh, acquisition.com, he realized that he had pivoted from an awareness business to a very high trust business, a high affinity business. And that's when he started producing content. He even says as much in one of his episodes, you know, he was the first guy to tell you don't ever publish content. And now that's all he does. So while Gym Launch still does well, it's far from its peak because it didn't have that base of brand marketing before it went directly to direct marketing. And now it has to rebuild its base after it's already reached its peak because it just went for short-term direct marketing options. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to talk about direct marketing. This is the fast acting stuff that you need, but none of it ever lasts forever. Direct marketing is kind of a miracle. It, it turns the art of advertising into more of a science. So it really appeals to data nerds like me, and it's super duper effective. But that said, it's best when it's built on the foundation of brand marketing, because after one Instagram campaign stops working... You need the, the trust and the affinity of the audience to keep the audience while you pivot to working on TikTok or Facebook or whatever that is. I'm Chris Cooper. This is Business is Good. I hope that you understand brand marketing and the necessity. I also hope that you're not relying solely on brand marketing to get new clients to join your business. Next week, we'll talk about direct marketing and I'll talk about the opportunities and the drawbacks of that too. Thank you for your service. Thanks for listening to Business is Good. If you'd like to chat about this episode or the blog posts or podcasts that I put on the Business is Good site, just go to businessisgood.com and click join the movement. We'll see you there.